You're listening to the Sagas and Sass podcast. This episode features audio from a previously aired live video webcast. Welcome to Sagas and Sass Season 3, brought to you by Geek Saga Entertainment. I'm Tara, along with fellow hosts, Jonathan and Nami. This episode will cover parts one and two of The Silver Serpents, the second installment in Roshani Chakshi's Gilded Wolves trilogy. If you're watching live, join us in the chat or ask the fact, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Sagas and Sass to continue the conversation. Also, please note that the views expressed in this show are those of the hosts as individuals and do not necessarily represent the show as a whole. And don't forget that we now have a Patreon with 10 tiers ranging from $1 a month to $40 a month. It offers tons of ways to support us and receive some great perks in return. Check it out at patreon.com slash geeksaga underscore entertainment. All right. So, so much and yet so little happened in these parts of the Silver Serpents. Our cookies have been apart for a while, but they gathered together again to uh, go off to Russia once Severin apparently had a lead on the Fallen House's secret lair, which he believed they would find the book they've all been searching for at that lair. That, you know, that book being the Divine Lyrics. We got to know the matriarch of House Corey, Delphine, a bit better, and they meet two new characters, Ruslan, the patriarch of House Dasbog, and his cousin, Eva. And they did find said secret lair, but in the end, Severin rushed into things and almost died. It was only Eva's mastery of ice forging that saved him. And that's where we picked back up with our current part. So the cookies have been waiting outside Severin's sick room for what they hope will be his recovery. Eventually, Layla's are allowed in, although Eva objects to this, until Layla and Severin play at affection so that everyone else will leave and they can um talk. Yeah, just just talk. Totally. Totally just talk. Oh, oh, okay, okay. So they really do just talk, which is wild. And then Layla stays in Severin's room because, you know, that's the silly arrangement that they have with her as his mistress. But uh, more importantly, they head back down to the grotto the next day and are able to determine very quickly that the security system is triggered by heat. Of course, this leads to Eva, you know, the blood and ice forger, being imperative to their plans. But as soon as they know that the special forging she does works, Severin orders her and Ruslan away because in case everyone didn't know, they aren't cookies, so they're not allowed. Anyway, they still trigger something. A mechanical leviathan that Sophia eventually names David rises out of the pool in the grotto. And yet that's not even the most worrisome thing about the situation because Layla realizes that the statues in the grotto, statues of girls with ruined mouths, are likenesses of actually formerly alive, now dead girls. They are all disturbed by this, but none so much as Layla. And Delphine actually offers to remove her from the situation, while Enrique as Hypnos to escort him to the bookless library. Sadly, Hypnos abandons him fairly quickly because ADHD or something. Enrique does figure out how to get the books to appear and has a moment with a Russian before getting distracted by the realization that the girls with the ruined mouths are the key to the treasure. So Enrique works with Sophia to crack the code, as it were, and after Hypnos and Ava arrive, they come to the conclusion that blood will unlock the obvious Tezcats in the grotto. They end up in one hell of a pickle because... While two of the Tezcats are bricked up, one is open, and Enrique, Sophia, and Eva wander into fucking Istanbul, where they are attacked by forces that we can't even begin to explain and only make it out because Enrique is about to sacrifice himself but then instead of just running off, Ava stops to create an ice bridge that allows them to escape from the giant stone statues that are attacking them. Meanwhile, Layla reads the statues of the girls from the grotto and realizes they were all women who were taken and murdered in the name of sacrifice because they wouldn't be missed. Talk about fucked up. However, between the reminder of Layla's touch and what she can do with it and what they have all learned from the library and the Tezcats, several of the cookies come to the conclusion that if one has to have a certain lineage to read the divine lyrics, that person must be Layla, designated team magical girl. Not that anyone tells her that because lol, who shares their hypotheses? Clearly not a functional team. Insert giant sigh here. <sighs> 
Oh, and by the way, remember David, the mechanical Leviathan that is? At some point, Sophia walked into its mouth and saw that there were stairs leading down, and that comes back when they fully crack the code, which says, the teeth of the devil call to me. And the teeth it's speaking of turn out to be the Leviathans, because the symbols in its mouth read, I am the devil. Only that wasn't the only thing that Enrique and Sofia figured out. There is also some writing on one of the portals that reads, to play at God's instrument will summon the unmaking. This is clearly a warning and one that they take to mean that reading the divine lyrics will undo all existing forged things. And yet, they still go into David's mouth where they discover a literal treasure trove that unfortunately doesn't include any sort of book. While they're celebrating the discovery of the treasure, despite the lack of the book for which they're all desperately searching, they hear that the entire Winter Conclave is on its way to the Sleeping Palace. For obvious reasons, none of the cookies are happy about this, and when Enrique tries to talk to Hypnos about the situation, it leads to their final break up. Because all this time, Enrique has seen that Hypnos prefers Severin's companionship, or even lack of it, and is entirely exhausted with being ignored. Which, who can blame him? Unfortunately, this leads to Enrique being attacked, while about the same time, Sophia's curiosity leads to her being attacked. However, it's important to note that right before he is attacked, Enrique realizes that the divine lyrics isn't a thing that exists at all that it's the divine leer, an instrument, not a book. Holy shit. I have a very important question. Has it been pronounced leer this whole time? It's a liar, isn't it? I've always pronounced it leer because like, that's how I always read it to myself. And I, it's one of those, it's like gif versus jif. I've never been able to, I know it's supposed to be pronounced liar, but I read it Lear for so long before realizing how it was pronounced that I like can't undo that. Yeah, Honestly, my, my 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 word is behemoth. Behemoth? Yes, behemoth. <laughs> I've got a lot of words because I read a lot when I was a kid way before yeah, the internet okay. came around and you could like figure out how words like, were pronounced by just searching I feel them. Like I'm lucky because they haven't been coming up for me. But uh, continuing on, sadly, Severed and Layla are ignorant of their friend's plights. And for a moment, Layla's trying to have some fun dancing. Until Ruslan mentions that he saw her with Severin when she absolutely wasn't with him. And she realizes that in an earlier confrontation, Eva cut her and therefore has her blood. And this is all sorts of fucked up because while Layla rushes to Severin's room and we're all like, ugh, Severin. Ugh, about him right now, Eva is using Layla's blood to wear her face and come onto Severin, which is absolutely sexual sexual assault. No good, very bad. Ew, 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 ew. Put the whole put the whole Eva in the garbage can. Just just the whole the whole Eva can go. Goodbye. Huh. Alright, let's take a breather. That was a lot. We ain't done yet though. Thankfully, Layla kicks Eva out of the room, and while Severin is clearly under the influence, he initiates an encounter with the real Layla because, uh, shocker, that's what he wanted all along. It's still a bit of a touchy situation considering he's not actually sober or entirely himself, and also, ugh, Layla, you could do better, and also, this relationship is toxic, and also, like, guys, like, speak for, 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 for like, two minutes that isn't just about identity crises or whatever it is ugh. plus in the end it works out for the people who orchestrated that being ruslan and eva because you see they were waiting in the wings as it were and as soon as layla leaves the room eva incapacitates her because oh yeah they believe that layla like everybody else also believes this that layla is the person who can play the aforementioned divine liar Oh, and by the way, remember that guy from earlier in the novel? I certainly didn't. Who had an affair with a ballerina and warned the cookies against some mysterious she? That she is Ava, who is his daughter. And he literally mutilated her so that she couldn't be a ballerina like her mom. Yeah, there's a lot going on here. Eventually, Severin wakes up just in time to save Enrique, though Sophia needs to save them by figuring out how to control one of the ice animals from the palace. Only for Severin and Hypnos, who end up inside the Leviathan, and Delphine, while Enrique and 
Sophia are captured by Ruslan, and Ava, who are apparently both totally terrible, rip our positive feelings for Ruslan. Remember what we liked about him, big sigh. Delphine then tells Severin that it's actually him who has the bloodline and can play the divine liar, which, God, none of us like Severin right now, and this is kind of black news, to be quite honest. Delphine wants to save Severin and Hypnos, but Severin goes against her wishes. This means that Delphine will die, which she does somewhat willingly, while Severin exists the Leviathan, I'm sorry, exits the Leviathan to save his friend. Only it seems like he doesn't do that, at least to Layla, save his friend says. There's a whole side plot with Red Jam that makes it look like he murders Enrique and Zofia. And then he proves to Ruslan, who, by the way, is not the patriarch of House Daysbog, but rather someone from the Fallen House, that he, Severin, is the person who can play the divine liar. I hate that word. I'm sorry. I hate it pronounced <laughs> that way. Severin does leave a Nemo bug with his new plan because this is heist on heist on heist. So we got to have a new plan for Layla so she can read it. No, that's not right. So she can uh, watch it, whatever they do in Nemo bugs, and know that Severin is still a good lad. And Ruslan and Eva abscond with Severin and the liar and Layla is left with her supposedly dead friends and naturally destroys the Nemo bug that proved Severin didn't actually kill them because she big mad. The Silver Serpents concludes with a hypnos epilogue. Yay! Though it's a cheaty heart-wrenching moment when you recall Severin saying, I protect you. And so another dark ending for our cookies, be they sweet or Severin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very proud of that. Thank you very much. Oh, <laughs> Executes so bow on tiny laptop camera that I'm not used to having to be You're on. doing great. So fun clarification, he actually did leave the bug for Layla to read like with her touch. Cause then oh, she could, I see, I see. Okay. His emotions and know that he was doing it right. Cause like the video still, you know, isn't super great for him. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I was like, I was reading that. I was like, wait, do, do they read these things? What is going on here? Okay. Honestly, so all I really want, like, granted, I know I've read the next book, so I can't say this, but all I really want is a little side story when Enrique and Sophia get up covered in jelly and they go, oh man, we're in a bit of a jam. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. My work here is done. Good night, folks. That's our episode. That's all we got. Uh, been a rough one. So, uh, first things first. Wait a minute. Layla's name isn't Layla. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote this here. This is a quote from the book. My name is not Layla, whispered Layla to the dead girls. I gave that name to myself when I left home. I have not said my true name in years, but since I don't know if we'll ever discover who you were, I hope you find peace in this secret. One by one, she walked among them and told them her real name, the name her mother had given her. I'm literally getting chills, like rereading that quote. But also, what the fuck? That like Layla isn't her actual name. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny to me because this whole time, like, she is, you know, using the name Layla. And then she calls Severin Majnoon. And there's actually, like, a South Asian story about Layla and Majnoon. So this whole time I was like, haha, literary reference with your name. That's so funny. But turns out she just wanted that literary reference for her own. Or maybe she just really liked the book. I don't know, man. <laughs> Although if I was going to pick a name, Layla would be a good one. And I would like to point out the only reason I am bringing this up is because a, this is a thing, you know, that just culturally I picked up while reading. So like that, that story is actually just, you know, like folktale thing that South Asian people know. I guess, like, I, I'm sure that we will get her real name, or at least I hope we will. But at the same time, I was like, what? Wait, whoa! And then, like, of course, then Enrique, when he's in the library, and I, I think this is actually in the first part of the book that we covered two weeks ago, he sees the book called Leila and uh, Majnun, which, of course, is her nickname, playful nickname, whatever you want to call it, for Severin. And I was like, oh, that's interesting and really apt. But now like that's not her real name either. I don't know. I'm I'm very interested in this development, honestly. 
<laughs> like very interested. So we'll see. So do we have any predictions on what her real name actually is? Her name was Nami this whole time. <laughs> well, I think, do, do do we think we've heard her real name? But somewhere in the book, I don't. I didn't recall it at all. But yeah, no, I got no Are there any hints to her real name, or if it's even important? Honestly, I'm I'm kind of torn on it because I really I'm intrigued by it, but also I don't know. I I really don't know if we're gonna get answers because like something that I came to like grasp and start to be okay with in this book specifically was the fact that a lot of the book a lot of the magic system in this world is less of a system and more of a hand wavy it's magic i'll do what i want and so because of the lack of explanations there i'm honestly like not really expecting explanations for anything but also if i get them i'll be happy you know those vibes also don't mind me i still have hella COVID brain fog i like yeah. can't even function it's we're doing it. I have I have travel brain frog. I have travel brain frog. Bibbit. Brain frog. Yeah, I can't say brain fog. It's just the brain frog. The R the R the R moves into the brain. I have travel brain frog. Brain frog. His name is George. George the brain frog. Oh, I love George. What a sweet lad. I, I don't. Okay, so speaking of Layla, though, the constant, oh, Severin, my Severin stuff got really frustrating. Uh, like, not that it already wasn't, of course, but when Enrique insisted that she tell Severin about the fact that she was going to die soon because she told them that. And he was like, you know, well, no, if Severin knows that might change the way he's been acting, her response was amazing. And again, I'm going to read a passage from the book because I just, I really, really love this. And what if it doesn't change him? She said, her voice rising. And even if it does, what does that mean that I have to be at death's door to bring him back to himself? My life and whatever is left of it will not be what his soul gnaws on to regain its strength. My death is not in service to his character, and I will not be a sacrifice simply for him to find peace of mind. He is not my responsibility to save. I just amazing. Like it's amazing. a great, it's a great anti-fridging quote, first of all. It's a great anti-fridging quote. It's a great just like, you know, I like I also got frustrated with Layla's pining, especially because for me, this book was just an exercise in Severin being a dick to her through his like <laughs> misguided idea of what he blaming himself for saving her instead of saving Tristan and all of his misguided bullshit about that. And like, granted, it is it was interesting to see Severin as a character make such shitty decisions for himself but on Layla's end I was like this man is treating you like crap and I acknowledge that, like feelings don't just go away especially if you have deep feelings for a person but at some point I just like like this was me like almost getting to a Nina Mathias level where I just wanted to shake her and be like he's not good for you stop it and then she says this and I'm like okay you know what for all of her pining like she still has like a lot of self-respect and a lot more self-respect than you get from a lot of like women characters in fantasy and women characters in romance situations in general because like literally any other story she would have told him and he would have had a, like a crisis about it and then he would have been like yes i love you Layla." and then i don't know maybe they would have fixed it maybe they wouldn't but then it would be like Layla, i love because <laughs> bad at English right now but like we know that story we've read that story and I fucking hate that story alternatively she would have tragically died in his arms and after telling him this this futile journey for his salvation in the form of her I don't know I hate it I'm so happy I love this quote I want this quote tattooed on my chest so I can look down and attempt to read it upside down when I have to remind myself that I should not be putting my value into like romantic partners and trying to change them to make them like me more. But then it would be tattooed upside down, so I wouldn't be able to read it. Or uh, would it be good? 
Don't let me get this tattoo, guys. Part of me is like, I love the idea of, of course, communication between all of them is super important, right? But in this instance, I found myself on Layla's side because, again, like she said, he's been being a huge ass. And why should, you know... Well, I mean, the reason she should tell him is if the goal is to find the magical item so that she will not die then that would theoretically help achieve that goal which to me would be more paramount than the toxic relationship they have you would and think frankly though like it already is the most paramount like that is what they've been pretty much like single-mindedly towards they are like- but 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 he has no idea that there's a time constraint here so there's a plan, and then there's a plan you do if you have to do something quickly, and it may be different things, and you may behave differently as a result. Now, whether that's good or bad, who knows? But it seems yeah. to me that I would have given him the information if I were in her shoes. But I, yeah, I, I, I understand why it seems like it would be important for her to give him the information, but at the same time, I completely get her reasoning. And I, and I also think that part of the problem was that Enrique kind of botched it a little bit in the way he said this, this is why you should tell him, right? Mm-hmm. Like it'll change the way he acts. And of course, Layla gets mad that no, 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 I don't want that I don't want it to be you know him him to change the way he acts because of this right so it's a little bit like I understand why she should have shared that information but I and I also think that Enrique maybe botched it by I think giving the wrong reasoning I think Enrique did his lovely Enrique thing where he opened his mouth and put his entire foot inside and I love Enrique to pieces he is still my like he he is like, if Layla didn't hit every single, like, Indian nostalgia thing for me as well, Enrique would have been my favorite character, hands down. He would have been my absolute favorite. And so, like, poor, poor lad doing his best. You're absolutely right. He says it to her wrong. And by, and, like, this sort of pushes her into the, oh, all of this. So, like, while I get what you mean, Jonathan, I think the other thing to keep in mind is that Layla's been keeping this secret for, like, two years. Like, there's a, there's kind of a point where, like, if you've held on to a life-changing secret long enough, it's, like, even worse to tell it, which is sort of where I also think Layla is at this point, and I think she's just not having a good time. Like you said, Nami, uh, it's perfect that she's refusing to be a prop for Severin. We love to yeah. see it. <laughs> I, I like had this moment where I was like, if Enrique had just come up and been like, you know, this would all go faster if you told everyone you were dying, right? She would have been like, oh, shit, yeah, you're right. Like, we would speed it up. But the fact that he was like, you know, Severin might be nicer to you if you tell him you're dying, right? Was like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> it, it was in that moment where Severin was, or, sorry, it was in that moment where Enrique was just such a boy about things, and I'm just like, you do not know how to speak with people, do you, honey? Hypnos would not have said that. Hypnos would have done, um, giving Hypnos a lot of credit. I don't know that Hypnos would have known better. <laughs> Hypnos would have probably just no. flirted with Layla and called it a day, honestly. No. He's also not good at communication. Exactly. I'm like, I'm like, nobody's good at communicating amongst our cookies. I think the cookies just need, like, a mom. Oh, wait, they had one. She's drowned in a snake. Uh, well, sort of, sort of, they had her, I guess. I don't know. I don't even know. She wasn't even supportive long enough to be a real mother figure. Yeah. They just have no You're mom. not my real mom! They just have a dead brother and a dead shitty mom. Get out of here with your buttered and jammed up toast. You're not my real mom. And also you hid my real mom's identity from me. And and also you're a pretty shitty aunt. And you protected me in the shittiest way possible. Just go die in a snake. That's oh what I meant. One question I this is kind of a totally random aside, but why hasn't Zofia heard from her sister? Oh my god, right? 
I'm like literally vibrating. I'm like, wasn't she dying? Maybe she's dying. Well, Jonathan, do not put that on the table. (laughs) I mean, I think that's kind of the conclusion we're meant to come to. But at the same time, I don't want to come to that conclusion. Like, we already lost one sibling figure. Like, we don't need to lose the off-screen sibling figure that we're not even attached to. Like, I don't. I don't have the emotional. Yeah, but that's the perfect. Uh, that's the perfect sibling. <laughs> you're not attached. Tristan, and I don't think we're getting back Tristan. I don't know. It's. I. I feel like there's something else going on there. I don't think. I'm hoping that she didn't just die. That seems really. I don't know. That seems like a really weak, like side story, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I really desperately, like, I want to know what's happening with her, but I also don't want it to suck. But then I also don't want to know what's happening to her because I'm, like, 70% sure that it sucks. Yeah. But I'm at least 80% sure she doesn't die. Because, like you said, that's, it's too predictable. It makes too much sense. Like, like, like yeah. maybe the fallen house kidnapped her or something. That's kind of where I've been leaning is because we know that Severin sent like a special doctor and then she wrote to Sophia at some point, And I think it was like describing a different situation, like not Severin's doctor, but like there was somebody else there to help her. And he was this young, attractive guy. Like, I and I kind of like, I kind of wonder if the reason why Sophia hasn't heard from her is because maybe they haven't even kidnapped her. Maybe it's just that they're hiding her letters, you know, like, I, and also I, I originally, I was like, okay, wait, is Severin hiding her letters? Because Ooh. after what he did to Enrique, which we'll get into in a minute, like that sounds like something you do. But then Sophia asked him about it and he was like, wait, what? You haven't heard from her? And he was like concerned about it too. So he's, I'm pretty sure like 95% sure that he's not involved. I don't think he would play at no knowing, you know, this is her sister, right? Tristan was his brother. I don't think Severin would fuck with that. Like, I don't think he would lie. I mean, honestly, like, here's my whole thing with Severin right now. Like at this point in the story, I don't know what he would have wouldn't do, you know? And that's the part that really frustrates me because like, I'm on the same boat. Like, I really don't think he would fuck with her like that because siblings, because he understands, you know, with Tristan, how important it is. But also he's in such a fucked up headspace about Tristan that it's wholly possible that he's just like completely separating them and not equating them and doing it as a, I have to protect her to keep her sibling out of it because if her sibling gets hurt because of our involvement, she'll go, she'll be like me and Tristan and she'll hate me. And like, and I know there's an over- over analysis but also severance and over analyzing idiot so like i could see it from him well but there's also hold on let let me just say this real quick there's also there's also the side thing where let's ignore the whole he wouldn't do this because siblings whatever he knows that zofia is going to be distracted if she doesn't hear from her sister so why would he be purposefully keeping communication from her sister from her oh yeah no i like I feel that too, which is why I'm like, like, I don't know. I'm conflicted about it. Cause it's also like the same thoughts I have with the Enrique thing, you know, like Enrique's obviously like distracted and upset about like canceling his thingy, but Severin still did that. So like, again, I'm just like, I'm like very torn on like what Severin's line currently is because it's like, it's like, what does he consider to be too distracted? You know? Because, yeah. like, I consider Enrique at this point too distracted to function correctly. And, like, that's where I'm just, like, I'm, like, so stuck. Because Severin is so erratic and terrible in this book that I'm just, like, like, like I just want to go up to the lad and shake him and be, like, suck less. Would you like a spider to hold? I really think that even if it's not the good reason of he just wouldn't want to do that to his friend who like after he just lost his sibling, he wouldn't want to put her, you know, through the just not knowing if her sibling was okay. I, I just, Oh gosh, I don't like Severin at all. But if he, if he's all, if he is 
actually lying or keeping communication from her sister away from Sophia. I'm done. Like, I'm done. There is no coming back from that, Severin. I'm sorry. I don't care. Like, in this book, I am kind of already done with Severin. Like, I... That too. I'm, like, like, frankly, like, he's crossed the line for me already, you know? Like, he, first off, like, obviously, Enrique's talk. Secondly, not addressing his grief about Tristan. Thirdly, blaming Layla for Tristan's death indirectly like all of this already is just like such a shitty shitty thing to do and if like if somebody even pulled like a fraction of this to one of my friends i would have i would be like no get out like you're fucking done bud like stop it that ain't cool and he's already done all of this so frankly like severance on my shit list Character development wise, and like the, I enjoy the literary activity of watching a character continuously fuck up. <laughs> so it has been entertaining to see him do this, but at the same time, like, hate him as a person right now. The worst. I remember last book, you know, everybody was like, Yeah, I hope we'll like Severin more. And I'm like, Sucks to be, <laughs> Sucks to be hopeful. <laughs> Have no hope. Hope is dead. <laughs> like Tristan. You know, I feel like uh, I feel like one rude. of the <laughs> like, rude, Nami. No, I feel like have you ever seen like like in fandoms where there are AO3 fan fictions where it's like very common knowledge that the character dies, they'll like tag it like like this fic is as dead as Dumbledore. <laughs> and, like shit like that. Like and and it's like it, it'll be like this fic is full of suffering you know hmm. <laughs> like suffered over Dumbledore's death like 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 shit like that so that's that's all I can think of right now and I'm really sorry because that is all I'm going to do and Delphine's also dead which means that like I'm going to make jokes about her being dead too because <laughs> because this no is more no no jokes of death what? I don't know. I mean, Jonathan, what do you think? Do you think Severin is keeping the information from her? Or do you think he legitimately wouldn't do that because I mean, whether it's because he wouldn't do that because he just lost his own sibling or whether I, I mean, I think it's more believable that at I, this I, point that he wouldn't do that because he just doesn't want her. Yeah, to I don't think he, I don't think he knows. Yeah, yeah. I want to know who this cute guy is that showed up to like I, woo her I'm sister. Oh my god, guys, maybe we've been thinking about this all wrong. Maybe her sister's having a torrid affair and has been too sexed up to write letters. <laughs> it is YA after all. <laughs> or like sort of YA. I don't know. This this is this is really the most like sexed up YA I've ever Apparently, read. Apparently, like YA these days has sex, and I'm like, huh? I so mean what? I think that's I think it's evolving with the times. Honestly, like when when Hunger Games, for instance, was written in what was it, twenty ten or something? I think earlier than that. I think Hunger Games was written earlier than that. Yeah, you might be right. I, I I'm I'm I know the movie. The first movie came out in like twenty twelve or twenty thirteen. Right? Shoot, the first movie went in twenty eleven. I don't know. Whatever. Like I. The only YA I've read that was like sexed up was uh, Mortal Instruments, which bleh, bleh, I hate. 2000, so 2008 for the Hunger Games. The first one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So the only the only like kind of very sex uh, centric YA I read before I get honestly really even this one like there's been physical encounters right like. And, and I'm listen, I'm not saying I'm against this I or against like the evolution of YA as I, I children, teenagers, I guess, evolve. Um, because when I shoot, when I was in middle school, like there was like a rumor that one girl in my class in eighth grade had had sex and everybody's like, oh my God, did you hear this girl had sex? Oh my God, what a slut. Like, oh my God. And I'm, I'm me personally, I was like, what the fuck? Somebody had sex. Like, I, I'm not even judging her. I'm just like, how did you do that? How did this happen for you? You knew where things went? 
Wow. <laughs> well, not even, no, not even that. Just no, like, I know, I know. <laughs> how, 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 how are you like, you know, evolved enough to do this thing? Yeah. I, yeah, no, no, I, I t absolutely agree, by the way. Like, I, um, I remember, like, because I read these books, like, I want to say, like, a year, over a year ago, before the third book came out, I'd read the first two. And I remember reading this and being like, wow, there's a lot more sex in YA than I originally realized. Because, like, even before this, like, the most sex I remember being in YA was, like, Twilight. And even then, it was very much a highly implied thing. And in this one, it is, like, explicitly, like, fade to black, which obviously isn't explicit, but, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, it, it, it's clearly I, fade to black versus just heavily implied. And then she shows up with a baby, you know? Twilight, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, huh, okay. And the other thing I've noticed, though, um, and this also comes to, um, I've learned this from people who are in, like, publishing YA specifically more. And so YA has come to evolve to mean, you know, like, upper, um, like, upper teens. So, like, 16, 17, 18, and, like, been targeted more to them and also to, like, young female adults like in like college and just out of college and so that's why the ya stories we're seeing have been evolving more especially because middle grade books have also because they are mostly serially formatted they've been involved in starting you know from kids around 12 and ending up with kids around 15 16 17. so like it's the reason that all of your like your harry potters and your percy jackson's they start with a 12 year old but they end up with an 18 year old you know, so it still stays within that. So middle grade has evolved sort of to like start as middle grade, but grow with the readers. And I think that a lot of what YA has done as well is grow with the readers. And mm -hmm. in the process, it left the actual like intended audience of YA a bit hanging, but people are still writing those stories so that now you also have like this weird section of YA that's like, ah, yes, no, 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 no. We do mean legal adults. Yes. No, like full adults. No, not children. No, full adult. No, but YA. But like, everyone's confused. Have a beer. But like, also don't because I don't think you legally can. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so moving on from why hasn't Sophia heard from her sister and maybe her sister is just having lots of sexy time with the cute whoever it was that showed up to take care of her. <laughs> which honestly, if that's the case, good for her. But worse, personally. Which, which would be, be which would be better than being dead. Yes. Well, yes. Literally anything would be better than being dead. <laughs> I think it's like dead. I think it's like Zofia's sister met a dude and he's really nice and is helping take care of her and is now too busy being in love with him and possibly having sexy time to contact her sister. And then like just below that is whoever that dude was is part of how the fallen house and is hiding her letters and not allowing them to be sent. And below that is Severin is actually even worse than I want to think he is and is hiding her sister's letters. And dead is down her. here on my screen. <laughs> yeah, and then dead, and then dead. It's, 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 it, it doesn't exist in the thing we want to happen. We will, we will take manipulative separate over dead. I mean, let's be fair. Yes. Manipulative separate is like over here, but like dead's still down here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so speaking of manipulative Severin, is there? I still don't understand the reasoning behind him canceling Enrique's talk at that Parisian library. I mean, this the, the, the Enrique having that talk and, and, and nobody showing up, that happened obviously in the first like two parts of the book. So fine, whatever. But we didn't find out why nobody showed up until in, you know, this part of the book. And why, like, why did Severin, why did he do that? Like, I, I just, um, I don't like it. I don't like it. Right. I couldn't remember. Was it was there something else important that they had planned around it? Was it like like the day before the Russia trip or something? Like cuz like honestly like that was the no, I think that so so my take on it was that Severin you know, yes, he wanted all the cookies present for his meeting because he found out, you know, that more information on the divine lyrics the fallen house's secret 
stash, whatever. But he went out of his way. I, I think he went out of his way early enough to pay off people to not go to this thing that it didn't, it wouldn't have harmed when their meeting was, you know what I'm saying? Like Enrique could have given his talk and still showed up at the meeting. And that's us bugging me about it. Like I can't, and, and part of this could just be that I kind of spaced out my reading of this book. And then of course I also, oops, finished it like nearly two weeks ago, but I even Actually, no, that's not even true. Even after I finished it, I couldn't really figure out the reasoning behind why Severin would do that. Like, I think that, you know, Enrique's mad about it, right? So he's over there thinking like, well, he he did it to stimmy my involvement with the, this group or whatever. But I don't... I don't know. Did to neither one of you remember if or, or know whether or not there would have been another reason? Because I can't. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't remember another reason, and I'm curious if any listeners can think of one or remember one. Because like, I also remember being like incredibly frustrated by this because it was mm -hmm. one of those things that I was like, I like, I kind of the way that I am seeing it is like when a person is out of control, like Severn is, and they are making poor choices based off of like fear and irrationality. I basically saw it as the way we all have like those dumb irrational thoughts that are like, huh, I could, I could just, I could just kick over this trash can. I could just do this. I could just do that. I just saw it as him acting on one of those and like, just like full up, like, just like, going further unhinged so honestly to me like i don't know that i ever thought we get a concrete reason from severin and i also mm -hmm. thought that was part of the problem of it like on a deeper level is that like severin was very much acting based off of only fears and even he doesn't have a deeper reason for doing it he was just so afraid of being abandoned that like he does this in a desperate measure that he can't even quantify and I think that's the conclusion that I reached based off of Enrique's hypotheses about what Severin could have possibly been thinking. Because Enrique's whole thing is like, oh, is this a manipulation to make me stay? And in my mind, I was like, oh my God, yeah, no, that that's probably it. Like Severin's just so completely off his handle that he's got no fucking idea what he's doing anymore. And he's just making bad decisions left and right and left and right. And that's... Yeah, I don't I don't recall ever getting a confirmation from Severin Severin's POV about what it was, but frankly, like the way he's been an unhinged asshole this book, I'm like, yeah, okay, that tracks. I hate it, but it tracks. I don't know, yeah, Jonathan, I I mean, are we do you remember a reason for this? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Because I, I mean, I actually tried Googling it and it was mostly just people being like, why the fuck did Severin do this? Not like, here's the reasoning why he did this. So I, I feel like nobody really knows what the, I, yeah, I feel like no one really knows. I feel like this whole book was an exercise in watching this acquaintance that you've kind of like gotten to know well enough that you care about their well-being and think they're an okay dude and you just watch them make increasingly unhinged terrible life decisions and you're just like what the fuck man i you're not a cool dude the severin saga you're not a cool dude severin sorry uh, not sorry just, just... oh gosh so i don't care how tall, dark and handsome you are bud I guess we don't know why Severin did this. And I'm still, I'm going to be mad about this until we get an explanation. And there better be a fucking explanation because it's fucked up. It is. Holy sucks. That said, in terms of disappointment, fucked up, blah, blah, blah. Because one after the other, after the other, Sophia not hearing from her sisters, finding out Severin canceled in Wiki's talk. Oh, Ruslan and Eva are bad. And like, Ruslan is like, really bad not, no like, no we just haven't got their povs yet it will be okay once we get their povs yes i'm sure i'm sure it will not <laughs> 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 that would be like that would be like in uh 
<laughs> I feel like us getting the Darklings POV. Oh, wait, we did a little bit in the show. That would be like <laughs> us getting like uh Ramsey's POV. No, that's not true. That that's 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 way worse. Okay. No, still murder. Yeah, and Songwise and Fire Ramsey's POV. No. Um I so I did see, of course, we saw that moment where Evo was like, whoa, wait, what the fuck is going on? Right. At, at the end. So as it turns out, Eva's probably going to be the one that changes her mind. Uh, but I was, I just really liked Ruslan. Like I liked his just He's kind funny. of. Like, I think Eva rubbed me really the wrong way because I'm always here for like girls having a fake rivalry and then becoming friends. But Eva just continued to be the worst. And then she like raped Severin. And even though I hate Severin right now, I hate Eva more. And I'm just kind of like, I'm so mad at her. Like, why does she have to suck so hard? And like, so I was so busy in this book being like exceedingly mad at Eva for just mm -hmm. Stucking that like Bruce let me there. I was like, she's like, oh yeah, it's this guy. Like, good vibes, dude. Like, Enrique's new study buddy. Let's fucking go. Like, good for him. And honestly, at this point, like, I'm not even mad for like everybody. I'm like mad for Enrique because like he lost mm -hmm. a new bro. Like, he lost his emotional support, bro. In yep. all of this bullshit happening, he lost the one person who listened to him, but. Obviously, the reasons Ruslan was listening to him were the oh, wrong yeah. reasons. Yeah, and, like, so, like, I maintain that, like, I was always pretty, like, meh about Ruslan. And, like, the thing that, like, made it heartbreaking and upsetting for me, like, if he had just turned out to be evil, I would have been like, oh, shit, that sucks. But then, like, the fact that he was evil and he was Enrique's only support system at this point, I was just like, oh, no. Enrique's just been betrayed so much. I, just, I well, my thing with it, with it was... I, so Ruslan was constantly going on about like being bald and like, you know, like loving people's like hair and stuff. And it just, not that my dad was ever weird like that in terms of like, <laughs> oh, you have great hair or whatever. My dad went bald, like really young. So I was like, oh, he kind of reminds me of my dad. And I say this, not having the greatest relationship with my father. That's for non-consequential reasons for this podcast. But like, it would just, it reminded me a little bit of that this guy just went bald really young and he's like so cute about other people's hair and then when Sophia was like they asked Sophia what she thought of him she was like he's soft because she touched his head and it was soft and I was like well Sophia thinks he's soft and like he's gotta be good right no he's bad he's real bad he's real bad it's bad David now I do feel sad I forgot about Sophia calling him Right? And he's got his, like, weird, like, rotting, apparently, like, rotting gray hand. Like, this dude is, like, real bad. Like, bad magic stuff all the time with him. He touched the Dumbledore level bad magic that's rotting his hands off right now. He touched yeah. the whole crux. Like, we're not, he ain't fucking around. He's a, he's a real yeah. bad dude. Lost his hair, lost his hair, rotting hand, like... Do you ever do so much magic badly <laughs> that your all your hair falls out and your hand rots off? Because uh, this boy sure has. I wish I knew where the magic went and what it accomplished. But I don't know that you wanted, Jonathan. It's, well, I'm bald, so I must have been doing magic, but I'm just Jonathan, I don't think you have enough hair to sustain this type of magic. <laughs> <laughs> you should have done it younger. And then you'd be totally bald, and all, but also have magic. Perhaps <laughs> you and my dad combined can make it work with your remaining hair. <laughs> oh gosh, I don't know. Like, I feel like I knew. Well, and I think I said that in the last like two weeks ago when we talked about the first parts one and two. Silver sermons. It's like part of me kind of knew it was probably too good to be true, but I really because Ruslan was so attentive to Enrique, which was a thing that Enrique really needed and he and, and Sophia said his head was soft or said he was soft like you know and I know that she just meant by touch but at the same time Sophia anything you think is perfect and I love you. is the most correct and I love her so much but yeah it was it was it was a real it was a real you know oof moment like Eva being bad okay when we when you realize that she used blood forging on Severin and like and and took Layla's blood and was like 
wearing her face and stuff it's like oh yeah of course that happened because ew. I think I always like quietly suspected that something was up with Eva if I don't know that I specifically also suspected Ruslan but like I have one of those like things that like in fantasy things when they say that somebody's powers are associated with blood it's usually big bad thing so like the moment that they brought up that like she was a blood forger I was like huh this seems sus like typical fantasy trope now says you're evil but i i'm not gonna believe that and then she was evil and i'm like hmm knew i was right to hate you my hating you radar was correct and i think i just am so anti like girl on girl like oh same nastiness that it's like i'm I'm anti it until one of the girls is a rapist and then i'm yeah 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 that's that's my exact stance on oh yeah there's 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 always there's always like a until you're, I don't know, like, like, let's say, like, until you're, like, a lying piece of shit who, like, tries to, I don't know, you know, like, there's, there's absolutely reasons for. You know me it. here. I'm, I'm a love Zoya with all my heart. I am, as, as the kids call it, a Zoya stan. So I am here for real, real heckin' nasty mean girls, you know? But I don't know, something about Eva always, like, very rubbed me the wrong way, especially with how, like, aggressively kind Layla tried to be with her to her and I think that always just made me extra ugh because the other thing is that like they make Eva's whole motivations be very like jealousy driven Layla I want what you want Mm. and I'm just I was very much like nah bitch you don't her boyfriend's a dick she's dying in 10 days like y'all should sit down and talk about how your lives (laughs) suck because you're gonna agree well, you know, you know, the, I think the thing that really got me was both like Ruslan with his arm in a sling and Eva with her limp. I was like, well, what did they do? Like, or not, not even what did they do? Like, what happened to them yeah. to get them both injured in such obvious ways? And then it turns out that Ruslan is just because he's a bad fucking dude. And Eva's is because her father was a mm, terrible human being. Yeah. A bad fucking dude. So many bad fucking dudes. I do. And like, here's the worst part. We also come down to the part of like, I think Eva is going to be a very good character because I think you're correct in that. Like her whole like reaction at the end really makes me believe that like the next move is going to be her losing faith in Ruslan and like I really think that like some sort of like her having doubt storyline is gonna happen and I think that's compelling storytelling but I also just like really don't like her and that's it that's my thesis statement I have that's the brain cell it's gone I guess in the end it's kind of it should have been obvious that Ruslan was bad and that the thing with I mean I also I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess so. It was only obvious because there are not enough characters in this story. I mean, the the only other potential big bad is Delphine. So, yeah, yeah. I think that I don't know. It's like I don't want to compare Eva to Zoya because it's. Uh, I don't think Zoya ever did anything like trick a dude into getting with her by wearing somebody else's face like not even anything close to that not even anything close to that like as much as not even within her skill set that is yes as 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 much of a bitch as Zoya could be she was never like that but 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 are you used are you used that trick however yeah well in the show to kill Marin Trent (laughs) yeah in the show we don't talk about the show here Jonathan (laughs) We're talking about Game of Thrones, the show. We don't talk about the show. Whoa, mm. whoa, whoa. Mm. Okay, so on that note, Jonathan, you mentioned Delphine. So let's move on to Rip Delphine, I guess. Like right when Severin maybe could have figured out that she wasn't totally and completely awful and he kind of had a family member, quote unquote, back. Uh, it's, you know, she dies. She sacrifices yeah. herself or whatever i still don't really understand what that was all about but like i really just guess that severin is not allowed to have family members from his past just cookies 
<laughs> but I mean, her her excuse of protecting him by basically abandoning him to protect him pretty much has messed him up for life. So that was yep. so great. Nothing, none of nothing about it was great. It's all like just a shit lack of communication, and like I, I, I understand that she was like not wanting him to be the head of the house because then no, actually I don't. How would how would him being the head of the house reveal that he was that bloodline? It doesn't make any sense. Like well, I think to her, I think the logic that I got from it was not that it would be directly connected, but it was like giving him a position of power in the order mm. would constantly surround him with the order and high profile people and could eventually put him into contact with artifacts or things that could lead to that discovery. So I think it was a very like roundabout way. And again, this is one of those like, I hate everything she did. Like in in some sort of like really terrible, shitty, twisted way, I get her logic. It was shit logic, but I get it. She basically but why not, just, basically, but why not just tell them the truth when he's older and see Jonathan, Jonathan, we called that being a well-adjusted adult who knows how to raise a child. That is not what Delphine is. <laughs> my citation for this by the way is your daughter <laughs> yeah no, no no i think i think the like funniest and most frustrating thing about delphine and like funny in a sad way is that like you can see everything she does and like understand like her logic and her reasoning about it but like at every single turn where she makes a choice she basically makes the worst of two decisions mm-hmm. and i'm just kind of like 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 there was the obviously terrible choice and she didn't make that one but then there was like the slightly better and still pretty bad choices and she continuously picked the still pretty bad choices and i'm like statistically speaking how could you be this bad at decision making you know like are you a libra like i'm concerned (laughs) nami your your comment that you had left on our summary was that her death was framed and this is these are your words do you want to read them so it was very much framed as a sacrifice for the future slash sacrifice for my nephew as my ultimate apology for doing wrong by him sort of deal a as in i very much read this portion as a she absolutely didn't have to die like if she if they really wanted to there was a way for her to think her way out of this and get out of it because like she's Mm -hmm. clearly not an idiot but I also think that this was very much one of those moments where she like saw like the accumulation of all of her shitty life decisions and like how she could have made this slightly less terrible for Severin and still been a supportive while also protecting him. And I think she saw all of this in this moment. I was like, you know what? I'm taking myself out. This is me doing my absolute best to actually protect him, telling him the truth and then removing myself from the equation so he does not have to feel guilty about trying to reconcile with me. And I think that was what I saw from her at that moment. And obviously that is very much like overanalyzing reading into a character. But, you know, I, I'm i usually not a fan of like sacrifice moves by characters. But in this case, I actually really did like it because like it to me, it felt like her sort of the reason I've been jokingly being like, haha, shitty mom's dead this entire episode is because I think with this sacrifice, she basically reframed herself as a maternal figure for Severin because she basically took on the responsibilities of every single wrong thing that she did to this child and was like, I'm going to save you and you do not have to like me for it. And you never have to contend with this to my face. You can just be okay and move on. And I think that's what she was doing in a very, very big way. Still think she should have lived like, fuck you. I still, yeah, I still think that it kind of seemed like a really, like, there could have been a way out of that. Oh, no, there absolutely was a way. It's also one of those things that, like, this is another reason I dislike sacrifice moves in general in storytelling or in stories in general. Because also, like, it it is a weakness in a character to make, you know, the ultimate sacrifice. It's not the ultimate sacrifice. The ultimate sacrifice is sticking around and fixing your mistakes, mm-hmm. you know? Like, and I think... And I think in a way, this was also sort of like the ultimate pinnacle of Delphine's character, because in a way she was not strong enough to stick around. And I think that's why she died. 
I just love that. I love that the ultimate sacrifice is sticking around and and fixing your mistakes. I love that. I'm literally tweeting it on Saga Sunsass right now. Sometimes they do really smart things. <laughs> Sometimes. 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 And then other times I'm just stare up into the <laughs> 30 seconds. Can we believe that was the same episode? Wow. What a wild ride, kids. <laughs> Me, youngest person in the group, calling everyone kids. This is on brand. But yeah, <sighs> that's my whole thing. I think narratively, it's a really good move because I feel like we get so little of Delphine, but we also get so much of her and like who she is as a person and like her reasoning and like her failings all at once without really like getting to spend all that time, all that much time with her comparatively to everybody in this series. And I feel like it's funny because like there are people cough Severin in the series that I still look at and I'm like, the fuck is up with you, bud? And meanwhile, Delphine, I'm like, yeah, no, I got you. Got you down. Know what your deal is. Damn, it's a shitty deal, but I know what it is. <laughs> I did want to just say this one thing because it bugged it bugged the shit out of me in the first book, and it bugged me even more in this book. Is that toward the end of the book, I believe this is this is Layla in, in a Layla chapter. I'm like 99.9% sure. The quote is she could not see her hope for what it was. Nothing more than a silvered serpent. Yep. I also was team, huh, that's forced. Yeah. Ugh, title reference. Like I I I suppose I get that the Leviathan is a it being a mechanical serpent. I would have considered that okay with it if they had just if it had just been like an indirect reference to the leviathan exactly like the first book if they had made it like sort of like a recurring thing that whenever the order got together they wore wolves masks and were gilded with final finery and they could have used the word gilded to describe like the walls somewhere else but like the fact that like like that actual phrase was said i was like kind of like eh it felt a bit forced to me I'm also team. A bit. I'm also I'm also very much team. Like if I don't see dragons dance and dance with dragons, I will be upset. But also like <laughs> y- you know, like like some things are a bit too on the nose. And that was that was like that was to me that was like the equivalent of like a fifth grader standing up at class and holding up a sign that says this is a metaphor. Yeah, and then saying a metaphor, and I'm like, uh, bit heavy handed. Yeah. It was a lot. Like the the first book, it was like, okay, this isn't great, right? First book, I was I was able to get past it. This yes. book was the one where I wanted to take Roshni and sh- shake her a little bit, and also shake her editors and be like, <laughs> like there could have been so many ways you could have just said this as a reference to the actual silver serpent. You could have literally actually called the Leviathan Serpent a couple times. Somebody's POV could have been, ah, yes, the silvery scales. Like, you know, there were ways. And I just, I just want to shake her editors and be like, was this the hill that she wanted to die on? Is this what you let her do? You're supposed to be the responsible adult. Oh, yeah. Now I just realized in my Bronze Beast reread, I'm just going to be like, damn it, where do they say it? Where do they say it? I hate it. But the fact that I can't explicitly remember it means that maybe it doesn't, maybe it's not that bad. Fingers crossed. That's all I can hope for. Uh, Well, on that note, uh, (laughs) do we have any last thoughts on the silvered serpents because i I think i've gotten all my my shit out of the way my only other thing was like this was like the book where i like resigned myself to the fact that this is a vague magic system and you're gonna be okay with it i mean i i'm i'll be honest this is my least favorite series that we've done uh so i'm looking forward to it it, it, I do feel it's, it's it, temporary. I still liked at least initially, and it just outlived its lifespan um, by probably six novels. But um, <laughs> I didn't. I did enjoy the first few, and I enjoyed the concept better than I'm liking this one. Okay. Well, on that note, I'm going to close this out with a quote because that's a thing that we're doing now. 
And that quote is, when a man cannot see a person as a person, then the devil has slipped into him and is peering out of his eyes. That's where I'll give credit to this book where I don't give Temeraire. Temeraire it's oh, not quotable. On. It's not quotable at all. No. Never is, you're, right. you're right. Terror is not quotable. No, no. It's, it's not great. There are things with prose that Roshni Chochi does very good, and it makes mm -hmm. me very happy. And then other times she's like, I must put silver and serpents on the page. And I'm like, sweetie, no. She, she's named the muses at least three or four times in these two books. Every single yes. one of them. I was yeah, going to well, say, you, her, you named her after probably had the muse, right? So, sort of. There's, there's we talked about this. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but yes. <laughs> Nami wasn't here. So ba yeah. basically, my first choice for a name was Athena. Ah, but yes. Anna said that uh, if she's ugly, she'd never be able to live it out having a name of a goddess. So we can't name her Athena. And then we were on our way to the hospital and I don't remember exactly why Anna picked Talia, other than there was a Mexican singer by that name, that era, that we liked some of the music. And Anna's like, I sort of like the name Talia. So we did. So then the irony is as soon as we get home and tell my father that Talia was born and that her name is Talia, and he immediately says, oh, the muse of comedy. So my father knew exactly who Talia was. <laughs> Love it. And I had no, and at the time I had no idea. So the irony is we didn't name her after a goddess and name her after a Greek goddess. And also no. apparently uh, pronounce it wrong, right? And we pronounce it wrong, apparently. Because oh, yeah, at, at least according to the audiobook, Talia is how they pro are pronouncing well, no. it. I'm sorry. I would have accepted Thalia. But also, I guess yeah, I've heard Thalia. Yeah, they're they're pronouncing it Thalia is how they're pronouncing it in the audiobook. Do you think it's like a Do you think it's a Roy Dotra situation where Catelyn was pronounced Caitlyn and Brienne was pronounced Brian? See, I think this might be a I overcorrected Brown in my pronunciation, and this audiobook clearly overcorrected White. Thalia, the fuck kind of white nonsense is this? <laughs> uh all right well on that note i think we're done for the evening but as we close out the episode just want to give a shout out to our heroes to our patron tommy of the tkok podcast network most especially the new dad podcast which is really fun and hilarious and just want to say thanks so much tommy for supporting us once again i'm tara along with jonathan and nami Thank you for joining us for Sagas and Zass, and we will see you next time, which will be two weeks from now, when we will be talking about the first uh, half or so of The Bronzed Beasts, which hopefully will, you know, not have its title blatantly spoken for no reason at all. At some point. Fear not. We'll save that for the second half of the book. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. Have a good night, y'all. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Sagas and Sass podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Sagas and Sass.